Hi there. You're listening to Lindisfarne Anglican Church's Sermon Podcast, a place where you can hear God's Word preached if you weren't able to join us at one of our services during the week. My prayer for you today is that as you listen to this message, you'd be challenged, encouraged, and equipped to live as a disciple of Christ in the world. May God richly bless you as you listen to this message today. The, the funny thing is, though, that now it's the 20th of January today, and perhaps for many of us, we've already started to uh, just quietly put our New Year's resolutions back on the shelf, uh, thinking, look, that was a great for a couple of weeks, but they've already started to slip just a little, uh, and now uh, at the 20th of January, we've kind of uh, realised that it's back to life as usual, uh, and we are looking forward to December when we can once again look forward to making some resolutions to do us well for the first few weeks of 2020. And of course, uh, the internet, the the great provider of all things, uh, knows that this is the way that it goes for most people, and so it is full of memes about expectations versus reality when it comes to New Year's resolutions. So I wanted to show you a couple. This first one, particularly pertinent in my life, is a... uh, Uh, the resolution we might have to spend more time with our kids and we think it's going to be lovely and we'll all be happily playing on the swings but actually it ends up with dad getting stuck in the middle of one of those spinny uh, climbing up things and it's all uh, rather a disaster indeed and let me tell you having uh, just recently been jumping all over a playground and sliding through a slide I did think that I was about to be stuck inside it (laughs) at one point uh, uh, expectation versus reality. Another one, of course, uh, that, that we have, many people have, well, this will be the year that we learn the instrument and we think we'll be some sort of rock star uh, by the end of the year. But, of course, the reality is uh, that uh, we can't play any instruments and we just wait till no-one's home and we're doing the cleaning and we've got the music up and we grab the vacuum cleaner and pretend uh, like we're some sort of rock star that we wish we had been. Expectations versus reality. And I wonder why it is that so many people uh, never ever hit those expectations, never ever make uh, much of their resolutions. And there's probably a whole psychological study we could do on that. But what we're doing in this series, New Year, New You, is considering the fact that actually the, the road to deep, lasting life change is not through a, a series of goals and, and resolutions. It's through a total transformation of our lives by choosing, instead of living for ourselves, to live for Christ, to focus on him and to focus on what he's done for us and what he promises to do. And so we've been considering over the past few weeks how following Jesus gives us a new start and a new take on life. And if you haven't been here uh, or you've forgotten, let me just quickly recap for you. In the first week, uh, we saw that where the world tells us in, in our New Year's resolutions that in order to get ahead, in order to be healthy, in order to be happy, uh, we need to focus on ourselves, we need to put ourselves first, we need to do what's right for us, we saw that, in fact, the scriptures tell us that this is the very problem of the human race, self-focus instead of God-focus. And we looked at the Apostle 
Paul's life, and we saw the words he wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18, where he told us that his focus is not on himself, but on Christ. On not what is seen, but what is unseen. On not what is temporary, but what is eternal. And so we, we, we remember, didn't we, that Paul is able to live a, a life that is filled with hope and joy in spite of its many struggles because he has his focus right. He shifted his focus from himself and his present circumstances to Jesus and the eternal glory that awaits all who trust in him. So that was the first thing. We need a focus shift from us to God, from us to Jesus. And the next week, last week, we thought about what it is that motivates us to, to keep going in this new life of focused on, focusing on Christ instead of ourselves. And we saw that for uh, many uh, living in the world's way, uh, our focus is, that our motivation is to be a better version of yourself. You want to be happy, you want to be content, you want to be fulfilled. And these are the motivations that drive the new behaviours. And what we saw last week as we looked at the book of Hebrews and particularly focused on the writer to the Hebrews words in chapter 12 uh, is that the writer to the Hebrews encourages us to be motivated not not by ourselves and by what uh, what Jesus' benefits might Jesus might bring to us but rather to be motivated by the community of faith both past and present and to be motivated by the work of Christ that he was willing to go to the cross for us so that we might be able to live for him. New focus, new motivation. I don't have time to go into any more than that. If you want to catch up because you've been away, do check out the sermons on the web. But today, we come to the third part of our New Year New series, where we have a new focus. We've got new motivations driving us, and now we have new expectations. What is, what is your expectation having chosen to follow Jesus? Or, if you're thinking about it, what is your expectation of a life lived following Christ? And we've seen, haven't we, that uh, when it comes to making New Year's resolutions, people have all sorts of unrealistic expectations. And so it's important that we don't have unrealistic expectations as we begin or carry on following Jesus. Now, the interesting thing that struck me as we've reflected on the Apostle Paul's life in 2 Corinthians and we've reflected on the, the Hebrews' life, who the letters of the Hebrews was written to, the, the interesting thing that has struck me is how uh, both those people, Paul and the Hebrews, have lived lives that have been marked by suffering. Paul was a prisoner. He was persecuted, shipwrecked, struck down. The Hebrews, the whole point of the letter to the Hebrews, written to them to encourage them to keep on following Jesus, even though they're being persecuted for it. Both Paul and the Hebrews live tough lives as a result of choosing to focus on Christ. Both Paul and the Hebrews live what we might call the cruciform life or the cross-shaped life. And we see in our reading today from Luke's Gospel in chapter 9 that this is actually the kind of life Jesus said that we should expect to live. 
in Luke 9 verse 22 in our reading today, uh, we see right after Peter, back in verses 18 to 20, has declared that he thinks Jesus is the Messiah, the promised one, the one who's going to save Israel. Uh, As Peter makes that great declaration, uh, Jesus has to go to work correcting his expectations. He says in verse 22, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. You see, back in verses 18 to 20, when Peter declares that he thinks Jesus is the Messiah, he's actually not declaring that he thinks Jesus is the one who's going to come and suffer and die so that we might live. That's not, that's not what he's expecting the Messiah to do. But we know from the, the writings uh, at that time that the Jewish messianic expectation was of a warrior, of someone who was going to come and kick the Romans out of Israel. And Peter, as he declares that Jesus is this Messiah, as he's seen Jesus perform these miracles uh, and as he's listened to Jesus' teaching, he thinks, this is great. Uh, We're surely on the way to Jerusalem and we're collecting a great band of followers and we're going to kick the Romans out. And no doubt he's thinking, and I'm in a pretty good position right here. Like, I'm one of Jesus's, I'm in his inner circle. Uh, When the Romans go and Jesus uh, is king, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be up there. I'm going to have a lot of uh, 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 great uh, wealth and, and, and position in the, Jewish, the new Jewish kingdom ruled by God's Messiah. That was the kind of expectation that people had of the coming Messiah. And Jesus, very quickly, is correcting his expectations. He says, the Messiah is going to be killed. But he will beat death. He will be raised to life. And you can imagine the wind going out of Peter's sails, can't you, as Jesus says this. And of course, it gets even worse for Peter as Jesus continues to correct his expectations. For he says that not only is Jesus the Messiah, not the one who's going to come in power and kick the Romans out, but in fact he's going to go to the cross and die, but be raised again. But Jesus says for his disciples, verse 23... Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and daily follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. An expectation fix-up. A reality check. Following Jesus doesn't mean that we get glory and a special place in in the kingdom of Jerusalem. Following Jesus means taking up your cross and losing your life for Jesus. And so scholar Daryl Bock, as he reflects on this passage, says, Jesus says that the disciples need to understand that life in the world will not involve an easy, stressless trip into glory. You see, when we live a new life following Jesus, we haven't signed up for the easy life for the life of getting whatever we want, whenever we want it. We haven't signed up to following some sort of giant wish fairy. Instead, we've signed up for following the life that Jesus lived, the life shaped by the cross, the life of humbling ourselves before God, admitting our need for him, and then seeking to present that same love that we've experienced in Christ daily to the world. 
And the same thing we ought to expect happens to us as it happened to Jesus. That many will respond with faith, but also there'll be rejection and persecution before we receive the promise of glory. We know that for Peter and for the other disciples and the early followers of Jesus, that their decision to follow Jesus was a decision that didn't lead them to comfort and status and power. Instead, after the religious leaders killed Jesus and that didn't stop him, they focused their attention on killing anyone else who still called on his name. Well, I think in 2019, as we seek to be followers of Jesus today, we too have warped expectations. We think that as Christians, we can expect to be liked and respected and listened to and protected and looked after by the government and all these sorts of things as we seek to humbly present Christ to the world. And when we find ourselves called bigots or being told we have no right to say that or being told that our religion belongs uh, in uh, the privacy of our own homes but nowhere else, we get extremely upset when in fact this is the cross-shaped life. It is so important, isn't it, that we listen to Jesus and that we have our expectations straight because if we have unrealistic expectations of how uh, those of us who follow Jesus will be treated in the world, that's when things are going to start to go badly for us, isn't it? You see, uh, often the problem with our New Year's resolutions is the unrealistic nature of our expectations. If I decide that I'm going to learn guitar uh, one year, I have these expectations that by the end of January, I'll already know 10 songs. That uh, by June, I'll probably be looking to sign a, a manager um, and he'll be trying to book me into at least local concerts, if not global. I've got all these sorts of crazy ideas about what it l- looks like and the work it takes to, to, to get that new skill. And so when January 20 rolls around and I still can barely play a G chord... I just pack the whole thing up and give up because my expectations were so far gone. Well, so too it is for us as followers of Jesus. We need our expectations straight. Do we expect the world to welcome us with open arms as we seek to humbly present Christ to it? Or do we expect that as Jesus humbled himself and presented himself to the world, that we might find ourselves being treated as he was? Wrongly accused, beaten and killed. Because if we get our expectations wrong, it's extremely damaging to our faith when that's what happens. When we lose friends, position, authority, status because of our faith. And we get upset about it and we whinge about it, we complain about it. Instead of doing as the disciples did in the first century, rejoicing, for they had been considered worthy 
to suffer for the name. Persecution and suffering are the expectations we ought to have as we seek to follow Jesus in the world. And that all sounds rather disappointing and depressing, doesn't it? But of course, the cross-shaped life finishes with a crown. James writes in uh, his letter in chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it pure pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How can he say something like that? Well, it's because he has his expectations right. He knows that's what's going to happen. And yet, verse 12, he says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. James knows what we know, what is revealed in scriptures, what we see in the life of Jesus, that after the cross comes the crown. That after Jesus was persecuted, was beaten and was killed... He rose again victorious. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus' death meant the defeat of sin and Satan. And in his resurrection and ascension, he receives a crown of glory. And we too receive this crown of eternal life where we can share with him the joy of his glory forever and ever if we persevere in the here and now. When we follow Jesus... As we persevere through difficult days, one day we know that we will share in Jesus' eternal glory. It's actually the sign of what is to come, just as it was for Jesus. He suffered and received glory, and so too will we. But there's more. For God actually says that not only can we expect to receive that glory in the end, just as Jesus did, But in fact, we can expect that God is going to help us and sustain us and be with us each and every moment as we seek to live our lives following him and presenting him to the world around us. Paul signs off his letter to the Philippians in chapter 4 verse 19 by saying, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And the Lord Jesus himself, two chapters after our reading today, in chapter 11, as he teaches on prayer, says that God will give us what we need when we ask him for it. You see, we can expect our lives to be shaped like Christ, to be cross-shaped, to be full of difficulty and suffering. And we can expect that it will all be worth it in the end because of the promise of eternal glory. But in the meantime, we can expect that God will meet us and minister to us and provide for us in quite wonderful and unimaginable ways. We can expect that God cares deeply for us, that he will produce in us by his spirit great joy, even in the face of persecution. What can you expect from your life with Jesus? You can expect that God will bless you greatly, even in the midst of hardship at the hands of this world. 
And you can expect that as you live a cross-shaped life, you can look forward to the God you know intimately through that persecution to one day giving you the great crown of glory that can never spoil, perish or fade. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. I hope you were encouraged by God as he spoke to you by his Holy Spirit. Please head to our website if you'd like more information about our church, www.lindisfarneanglican.org.au or like us on Facebook by searching Lindisfarne Anglican. We are a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. God bless.